Well, um, let's state the obvious. It's Pentecost Sunday. We are at the upper room, and my name is Peter. <laughs> if we can't have church today, guys, <laughs> we just need to do something else. We're going to have church. I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. <laughs> um, if you want to... Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. <laughs> Aaron's already getting hit. Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 4. We're going to read uh, just a couple, two verses, and then we'll pray. And I'll hop in here. Acts 1, verse 4, Jesus uh, was alive, amen, he had been resurrected, and he's talking with his disciples, and it says this, while he was uh, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, everyone say wait, wait. for the promise of the Father, Wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Father, we, we come to you this morning in light of your promise. On this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, we... We come to you, Father, with expectancy in our hearts in light of your promise that our Father in heaven made a promise to us through your Son, Jesus, that you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, as, as one body, those of us in this room, those of us watching tonight, we are asking corporately on this moment, on this day in 2023, Lord, that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit, that you would immerse us yet again in the glorious reality of your presence. Lord, that we wouldn't just talk about your spirit, but that we would experience your word in truth and in power. Lord, that there would be a real opening of the heavens this morning, God, because Jesus has opened the heavens, Lord, that you would pour out that which you promised you would. And we ask you for that in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm aware that this topic uh, for some can, can maybe be triggering that phrase, depending on your denomination, your background. Uh, this topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, just depending on where you come from, it can be triggering. You can feel uh, some kind of way, and so I'm aware of that. And I I'm intentionally um, want to talk about it, get some, give some framework around it biblically. But ultimately, I want us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. I I, I believe many of us, um, whether you've been baptized or filled in the past, I believe it is the desire of our Father to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And that's my first point, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. It doesn't say it's a lottery system, you may or may not get it. 
It doesn't say that you have to jump through hoops. It's a promise. Our Father in heaven made a promise to his people that he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. And, and it's a father thing. See, see, many people make the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's about the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's about Jesus. But it comes from the Father. The Father himself is the impetus, the engine, the driving force behind this very catalytic, important phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think many of us, when we think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we think about people rolling around on the ground, speaking in tongues, those are, those are ancillary fruits that may or may not happen to someone when they get filled with the Spirit. But the heart of the matter is that our Father in heaven, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, made a promise to his people to do something that is very, very significant and necessary to us to live the Christian life. And I want to submit to you that you cannot live the Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of churches today around our country that may or may not be celebrating Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that the church for, for now centuries has celebrated and remembered the giving of the Holy Spirit. And yet, and yet we don't have, like, there's not this uniform faith in celebration and honor of Pentecost like we have of Easter. Why? Because I don't think we value it as much. I don't think we value Pentecost the same way we value Easter, but I would submit to you biblically that they are of equal importance, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is equally as important as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And to illustrate this, and this may be kind of weird for some, but the Lord, he was explaining this to me, and he, says, he said, son, what's more important, the conception of a child or the birth of a child? Think about it. What's more, can you, can you, could you argue what's more important? Well, they're both important. You need both. You need the conception and the birth. And I believe the resurrection and the baptism of the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. They're one that serves the other. They're connected. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said this to them. They're asking about the kingdom. These guys were so fixed on their perception of what Jesus was going to do, the messianic rule. They thought, wow, he raised from the dead. Surely he's going to establish his kingdom now. And so they're just, they're all keyed up. They're like, wow, the, the, the messianic rule of Jesus is coming to earth now. When, when is the kingdom going to be restored? And he goes, guys, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Watch this. In speaking of the promise of the Father, you will receive what? power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the, the, the core, I want, you got to get this. There is a desire in the heart of your father to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at why that is. This is not some you know, secondary side issue in Christianity. This is core to the heart of God. And as believers, we should, number one, we should have an understanding 
a value, a hunger, a longing, a humility, a posture of, yes, Father, I want your promise in my life. We should have that, number one. Number two, we should have the ability as mature sons and daughters of God to no longer divide with this subject. See, people have divided with this subject trying to create haves and have-nots. And I, I understand to a degree. Um, when I was filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, I was a good Bible church kid, praise God. I grew up in a, in, in a, in a tradition that didn't really teach this or, or have a, a grid for this. Super grateful for my upbringing. We just didn't know about the Holy Spirit per se. We weren't taught about it. And so when I was 22 years old, um, I was in a meeting like this. It was in a conference and I had a, 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 a lust addiction. I had a, a torn MCL. I was really desperate in my life. And I went to this wild charismatic meeting and this wild charismatic lady, prophetess lady, she just like looked through me, you know. Y'all know the type. They don't look at you, they look through you. They're really scary. But they're awesome. They're just a little bit off, but they're awesome. <laughs> I'm so thankful for this woman. I was leaving the healing room, and she sees me, and she goes, whoa. She was walking by me. She just stopped. She said, whoa, can I pray for you? I was like, okay. Y'all, this woman, <laughs> this woman, something came through this vessel and I began to feel a trembling on my inside. Like, you know that SIM card that you have that makes you kind of keep it together in front of people? You're like, hey, I'm good. Lord, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. And you just keep it together because you realize your neighbor, you're still aware of people. So something she was doing began to grab hold of that SIM card called my dignity And in the spirit, she laid hold of it. And I was like, this isn't good. If she pulls this out, I'm done. You got to understand, I'm a Bible church kid. So I didn't know, I wasn't exposed to charismatic anything, anything. So I didn't know how to fall out. I didn't even know that was a thing. I feel the Lord right now. <laughs> Stop. They always do that. It came out, and I ended up on my back, <laughs> and I start laughing, and I feel this current of electricity flowing through my hands into my arms, and I'm, and I'm, I'm simultaneously laughing and afraid because she is coming with authority, and she's like, you demonic spirits of lust, you come out, and I'm laying there, and I'm kind of laughing, and tongues is coming out of my mouth. And I'm, and I'm laughing, and she's casting out demons, and I feel electricity inside of me. And I'm like, this is different. <laughs> this is very different. And it wasn't imaginary. It wasn't like psychosomatic. I was fully awake, fully alive, but I'm laying, and I'm under this influence of something other than me. It wasn't, and there's this, and it, was, it began to course this electricity. The only way I can describe it, it was like an electrical current, but it felt nice. And it went into my arms, into my chest. I could feel it in my chest, climbed up into my face, 
and it was making my face all feel like it was like an anesthetic like thing and I'm laughing and she's casting out demons and she's like, you will not manifest. And I'm like, yeah, don't manifest. <laughs> but I'm already on my back laughing and I'm speaking in tongues. So I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And so I'm out for like 45 minutes. I'm just, I'm just experiencing this thing. <laughs> and really, that was March 9th, 2006. That's really what's wrong with me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had the fear of man. I was bound in lust. I was a Christian, y'all. I was a born-again believer, sealed with the Holy Spirit, going to heaven when I die. But I was playing defense. I was playing defense against sin. I was playing defense against the devil. I was playing defense against everything that might happen to me in life. I was on defense. I did not have the ball, and I was not living on offense. And something happened to me that day that changed me forever. And I remember, and I remember why I shared my testimony, is because I was a loose cannon after that. Y'all, I had no grid of etiquette of don't prophesy mates or dates or y'all know the etiquette of all the things that we learn with the Spirit. I had none of it. I walked into a 7-Eleven. I'm like this Muslim lady working behind the counter. I'm like, do you know Jesus? He loves you. I couldn't help but speak of him. It, I couldn't help but witness of his resurrection. I wasn't consciously thinking, I need to go share my faith today at 7-Eleven. No, I wanted a Slurpee and I saw a woman and I said, hey, does your back hurt? And I began to pray. And like, it was just, I was alive in God. I was witnessing to his resurrection. I was witnessing to his life. I had a, a faith that was living color now. And, and listen, you gotta understand my personality, my Enneagram, the way that I was born. I was shy, introverted, don't like to be around, you know, a lot of people all the time. And, and yet when God took possession of this temple, all of that bowed a knee to the consciousness of God. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit transcends your personality. And it gives you a power that, that, that's not man-made. Doesn't come from man. It's a zeal and a passion and a warmth of, of a morality, of a desire for righteousness. It doesn't come from man. You can't earn it. You can't manufacture it. The Bible says it's a gift, and it's a promise of the Father. And it's my desire this morning that, that if you've had those experiences or you've never experienced that, that we would come to the, to, the, to the unity of the faith that this is for us. This is not a denominational thing. It's a Christian thing. It's normal. We need more men and women baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we need it. This is the issue. I'm going to read, I'm going to read a couple of other um, testimony. I'm going to read a testimony of a wonderful man of God. Uh, this, uh, this took place uh, in the late 1800s. This was Charles Finney. Listen to this. He says, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without my recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave 
of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. The waves came over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I had no fear of death. Isn't that amazing? And I understand why, why for many, many of you, these experiences, many people would have these experiences in their zeal, they would wanna share that with other people. And they would wanna project their experience onto other believers. And, and in doing so, and in that zeal and in that passion, I think sometimes it got a little bit twisted. It got a little bit misconstrued. Insecurity on one side and maybe a little pride mixed on the other side. And what happened was an offense and a schism and a great chasm in the church began to build where one group of people began to say, no, I have everything I need. Thank you very much. I'm fine. And then you had another group of people that began to sort of in pride say, no, you don't. And they began to create this this, this chasm, this division between us. And I believe it's a great tragedy because in our, in our heart and in our zeal and our passion, I remember just how wild I was. I, I didn't have any patience because I was excited. You guys with me? It's so real that you wanna share it with everybody. You, you, you want them to experience it. This type of thing, you're like, man, I, it, it's real. It's not, it, and, it's, and it has real implications on your marriage, on how you work, on how you live, on how you wake up in the morning and make coffee. It, it changes everything. I can point to that moment in my life when God filled me, when I had this type of encounter, this baptism, I can point to that moment and go, the entire trajectory of my life changed. And I wanna show you the heart behind that this morning. And I want you, I'm gonna do that briefly and then, and then I'm gonna, we're gonna pray, we're gonna believe God that he's gonna fill us. Just, I was sharing this testimony a few weeks ago. I was at the, this worship night with Brooke uh, Ligerwood and Elissa and I was telling them, I got filled with the spirit that night. I had that encounter so many years ago, but on that night, God filled me again with the Holy Spirit. And so I don't, it doesn't matter where you're at if you're like, oh, I've already been baptized in the Spirit. Your desire should be that, that God himself, Jesus, the great baptizer in the Holy Spirit, would take you every single morning and dunk you in a river called God, and you could live your day. <laughs> Why would we not want that? Right? All right. I want to read this. Um, Larissa read this quote years ago, and it stuck with me on Pentecost. And so um, I want to read just a few quotes by a guy named Samuel Chadwick, and then I'm going to show you a few things in the Bible. 
Um, Samuel Chadwick says this. He says, I owe everything to the gift of Pentecost. For 50 days, the facts of the gospel were complete, but no conversions were recorded. Pentecost registered 3,000 souls. It is by fire that a holy passion is kindled in the soul whereby we live the life of God. The soul's safety is in its heat. Truth without enthusiasm, morality without emotion, ritual without soul make for a church without power. And then he says this, he says the soul's safety is in its heat. Truth without enthusiasm. Uh, Oh, and then he says this, destitute of the fire of God, nothing else counts. Possessing fire, nothing else matters. And I love that. In church, I believe now in these days, in the earth where we're living, upper room, we need the fire of God. This is the most relevant topic. I believe this should be on every sermon series for the next months, that we should hammer the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, so go to Luke uh, 3. I want to show you, show you kind of the why behind the what, and then we're going to pray. In the very beginning, I'm going to give you a brief summary here. This is some context that we don't always get, um, because one of the things I want to do also this morning is I want to equip you to build faith in other members of the body of Christ for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to equip you to talk about this, to make this subject not so taboo anymore, but to see, wow, this is as, this is as basic and elementary to the Christian faith as any other topic. We, we have to begin to talk about this with humility, with a, with a sense of integrity connected to the word of God. Amen? We have to show that it's biblical from the word. I love the word of God. And so, listen, God from the get-go, God, the, God wanted intimacy. He wanted union with mankind. This is, this is the overarching theme behind the entire Christian life is that we have a God in heaven who desired union. Everyone say union. Union can be a spiritual term or it can be an intimate term. It's an intimate term. God wanted oneness with you and me. So you need to just let that hit your heart this morning that, that the living God wants to be so close to you that you can't tell where he begins and you end. That's called union. This is what he means when he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? He wants union. That's, that's intimacy. That's Ephesians 1, 7 through 10, that the, the mystery hidden for the, plant, the, the fullness of time was that he, he would unite all things in the Son. This was the mystery in the heart of God. No one knew that God wanted to be one with man until he revealed it through his Son. And so this truth, this reality should, should cause our knees to knock. If you hear that and you go, okay, cool, God wants union, what's next? You missed it. It should cause your soul to tremble that fire wants to be one with you. Our God is a consuming fire. See, if you, if you spiritualize these matters too much and you remove yourself from them and you don't actually ponder the reality of God, a consuming fire, who when he came down on the mountain, thunders and tremblings so much so that Israel goes, no, 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 I don't want to go up. This God wants to be inside of you. You have to begin to grapple with that, church. I'm telling you. You have to begin to grapple with that. You have to begin to wrestle with that, that reality. It, it, it has every implication on how you live. And so this consuming fire wants to be inside of you as a loving father. 
to lead you, to guide you, to speak to you. And it's by his spirit that we're connected to the Godhead. We're not connected to the Godhead like the physical Jesus isn't grabbing you and connecting you to the Father. It's the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who connects us to the Godhead. This is our union. He is our union. And so you have to understand this to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, so we know that God lost union. He lost that divine connection with Adam and Eve. They sinned, sin entered in. We know that God then said, you know what? I'm gonna begin the plan of redemption that I've set forth since the beginning of time. I'm gonna start a family. I'm gonna pick a guy named Abram. This is awesome. God's plan of redemption started with a family. He goes, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a dad. Abram, you're gonna be Abraham. You're gonna be a father of many nations. And through your family, I'm gonna reveal what I'm like to the nations. And so through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who becomes Israel, had 12 sons, we have a nation now chosen by God to be his treasured possession, to now the law and the prophets would come through as a light to the nations. Why? What kind of light? To see and to recognize the coming Messiah who would be the savior of all men. So now you've got this great problem in the heart of God. God who is love, who wants to be in love, who wants to be one with people, now there's a problem. The people that he loves have a condition called sin. And a holy God and sin don't mix. I'm gonna prove that biblically. In 2 Samuel chapter six, the holy God in the box, the Ark of the Covenant, was being carried by David the wrong way. It was on a new cart with Uzzah. And these guys, and, and the oxen stumble the Ark of the Covenant that God was inside of, God himself, his presence, the, the, the substance of God dwelt in this box. The Ark is about to spill out and God's gonna come out of this box and Uzzah says, that's probably not good. And like any of us maybe would have done, they're like, let's stabilize the Ark. And he touches the Ark and he dies. Now my question is, did God kill Uzzah or did Uzzah die? <laughs> I believe Uzzah died because Uzzah only had the blood of a bull or a goat to, to, to forgive temporary sin. He didn't have a blood that was sufficient to take away his sin. So again, you see with Israel, you see a type and shadow of the solution in that God institutes blood sacrifice. You see lambs, you see goats, and this blood of bulls and goats could temporarily forgive or cover the sins of, of Israel. The Day of Atonement, their sins would be forgiven. So the forgiveness of sins isn't necessarily the, the highest revelation of the New Covenant. Because forgiveness of sins existed prior to the blood of Jesus. Oh, come on, church. When they shed the blood, they were forgiven. So we have to now, as rightly stewarding the word of God, rightly handling the word of truth, we have to be able to distinguish as new covenant believers, well, then what's the difference between the blood of a bull or a goat and the blood of Jesus? Well, there's a big difference. And I would say that many, 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 many believers do not distinguish, can acknowledge, teach, explain the difference between the blood of a bull or a goat and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God had a big problem 
Because here now, man, who he, he, he only had the power to cover their sin. He didn't have the power to take away their sin. He needed a better blood. So, but before Christ came, he says, they, I believe, and I, this is a joke, this didn't happen, but I believe, you know, maybe heaven had a marketing campaign and they said, all right, the plan for the fullness of time has come. We're gonna send our son, Jesus, you're going, but we need a marketing plan just to kind of prepare the way. We just wanna make sure everyone's ready to receive the son of God. What should we do? And, and this angel in the background says, hey, how about we send a hairy guy into the wilderness? They're like, I like it. Done. John the Baptist was like heaven's billboard for Jesus. He was a sign for man pointing to the Son of God to make preparation for Jesus. Are you guys still with me? This is so important to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So John comes wearing camel hair, eating locusts and wild honey, and I, this is amazing to me that God thought this was a good preparatory plan for Jesus. Like, hey, send him into the, into the high traffic areas. No, 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 put him out in the wilderness, far away from people. What? How are you gonna prepare people putting him away from people? Well, because he's gonna have a message of fire. People are gonna come and watch this man burn. So he's preaching a message. Do you know what his message was? It was repentance, and then he was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins, Luke 3, 16. John said to them, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John was baptizing with water. Now this is profound, you have to understand this. To the Jew, you could not be clean of your sins apart from what? Apart from what? Blood. Yet John comes with no animals, no goats, no bulls, no temple. He's in the wilderness, a wild man, and he's dunking folks in a river saying, your sins are forgiven. See, we, pro oh, we, we, we project our Western Christianity on the Bible. Jews, John was wild for the Jews. He's offering forgiveness of sins without blood. What? What? And were they being forgiven? Oh, come on, that's not a loud enough yes. yes. If they weren't being forgiven, he wasn't doing his job. There was no preparation. Oh, come on, y'all aren't gonna talk to me. If they're not being washed of their sins, then he's not preparing them for the Messiah. What's he doing then if he's just getting people wet? People were hearing. So what was John's baptism all about? It was about bringing the consciousness of sins to the people and provoking them to repent of their sins and they were being washed in water. But he was saying, that's not the point. This is not the point, God. I'm not the point. This is not the point. This is a preparatory work so that you can actually come to the one. Now, John, John the billboard, the original Baptist, gives us two descriptions of the Messiah, and we have to pay attention to this as a church. Number one, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. Is that the point? I'm gonna venture to say no. I don't believe the primary point of God was just to take away your sins. 
See, blood of bulls and goats forgives sins, the blood of Jesus takes away sin. That's the distinction. He goes on the inside of the thing that made you sin and he destroys that thing. That's what the blood of Jesus does. The blood of Jesus doesn't just say, well, I forgive you for what you did. It goes into the depths of every root that came from Adam. It goes to the very core and by his blood, by his blood, by his blood, by his blood, by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Yeshua, we no longer identify with Adam, with sin, with the fall of man. We say, I've been clean. I'm free, free, free indeed. Come on. Come on, the blood of Jesus sets you free. The blood of Jesus destroys sin. It destroys sin. It's the only remedy ever for sin. Yes, 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 it's awesome. It works. It works more than bull and goats. It works. It subdues sin. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. If we do not understand the blood of Jesus, you can never walk in the fullness of the power of the Spirit. You can't. Because you'll be trying to clean yourself to make yourself presentable to God to say, use me. And that's where you get a lot of weirdness in the church. Unclean people trying to smack the rock like Moses to get water to flow. Some of y'all didn't catch that. <laughs> the rock has been smacked. He got it. He got it. The rock has already been struck. You don't strike the rock to get the water to flow. Too much of that in the church. You know why? Because we don't believe we're clean. See, the guys coming to John to the waters came in their sin and presented themselves in their sin, repented of their sin to be cleansed of their sin. The 120 in the upper room did not come to God in their sin. Hear me. The 120 in the upper room did not present themselves in their sin to God. They presented themselves in righteousness because of the blood. The resurrected Christ had come. He had secured salvation. He had saved their souls. He had cleansed them from sin. They had received and been sealed with the Holy Spirit, John 20. They had been born again. Yet, he said, wait, present yourself to me in righteousness until you receive the promise of the Father. Because the point wasn't just to take away their sin. It was to clothe them with himself. It was to produce the same character of Christ in them. So that when people saw the disciples, they would see the son. In Acts 19 you and 18, go there with me real quick. I'm going to show you this. And then we're going to pray. Let me show you this briefly. I'm just going to, I'm going to, you can put it up if you want. Um, there was a guy by the name of Apollos uh, who became a minister of the gospel. Um, and the Bible says in Acts 18, 24, that uh, he was an eloquent man and he was competent in the scriptures and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And this man was fervent in the spirit and he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus 
watch this, the Bible tells us he only knew the baptism of John. So here is a disciple, follower of Jesus, a minister of Jesus, and yet the Bible gives commentary that he only knew the baptism of John. What, was, what did John's baptism do in the hearts of the hearers? It made them conscious of what? So here, Apollos is preaching and teaching, and yet people are still conscious of their sin after his message. See, he would preach and teach accurately. This man wasn't wrong. He was right. He was just incomplete. Church, we stumble over this a lot. There's a lot of denominations around us who are right. They're just incomplete. Now watch what happens. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And this precious couple, Priscilla and Aquila, heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. God, may you raise up more Priscilla's and Aquila's in the earth today. They're listening to this man, and I believe they were getting fired up. I believe they're like, man, Apollos is crushing it. He's teaching Jesus. He's fervent in spirit. He's got the Holy Ghost. He's sealed. He's awesome. But wow, he only is bringing the people so far. And they saw a blind spot in his doctrine that was critical to his ministry. And instead of shaming him and go, oh, do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They go, no, 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 no. They took him aside. They said, hey, can we, can we talk? Dude, you're killing it. Let me explain something to you. Why? The way of God more accurately. He's like, you're on the path, but just you got to get this peace with your doctrine, with your life. Why? Because the, the conscious of your hearers is at stake. If you only preach them to John's baptism, Apollos, they're going to remain conscious of their sins. And what happens when you have a Christian who's conscious of their sins? They live a life riddled by guilt, shame, condemnation. I'm never doing enough. God, I'm never pleasing you. And they live with an orphan spirit. This, this describes many, 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 many people in the church today right now on the earth. They live with an orphan spirit. They're conscious of God. They're conscious of the new covenant. They're conscious of what they should be doing and the power they should be walking in. And they constantly feel like they're never doing enough for their father. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it's a solution for that. <clears throat> Look at what happens here. I love that Apollos doesn't get his feelings hurt and go, I have all that I need, thank you very much. He, he was humble. Church, if I have a blind spot in my doctrine that's keeping me from experiencing God in his fullness and a promise in the fullness of life that comes with him, I hope one of you comes to me and goes, hey, I heard you talk. You're, listen, we should all have that humility. We should all want God to correct thoughts about him that are either incomplete or wrong. Come on, are we gonna be so, we're gonna be so confident in what we think we've known that we're not willing to hear from the Father and say, hey, we want the fullness, do we not? I, I, wanna, I wanna live in the book of Acts. 
I want to live. I want, I want I, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but Christ has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. I want that. I, and, and listen, we're experiencing a measure of it here, but I want more. I want to see, like, I want to see all of all that he's promised us. Life. I want to see the works of the devil destroyed in our midst. I want to see the power of God. I want to see handkerchiefs healing folks. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see crippled people walk. I want to see cancer bow the knee. I want to see mass salvation. I want to see, see, see many of you filled with the Holy Ghost where you get that fire in your eyes and all of a sudden your school is not safe anymore. Your workplace is not safe. You went from like, I don't know if I can talk about God at my church, so I'm going to get fired, to Jesus is alive. Y'all, listen, you just rock up in your, in your workplace or with your kids. Listen, for moms, you need to be filled with the Spirit again. Mom, you get tired. Listen, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you start preaching the gospel to your kids. You do. You're just like, listen, you wake up, come here. Jesus loves you, my, and you anoint them with oil. Come on. That's the, our kids need that. Our kids need fiery, wild moms filled with the Holy Ghost. Just Come on, our young people with the onslaught. Everything's happening with the, the agendas. My goodness, if we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, we just, it becomes flipped. We're now on offense. We're not playing defense. We're like, oh no, let's go. Let's rumble. Let's go. Why? Because we're witnesses of the resurrection. You can't kill me. You can't fire me. You can't hurt me. I've got God inside. I've got God inside. You can put me in prison. You can cancel me. You can shut me down, but I'm going to worship. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to speak of his resurrection. I don't care. You get on Instagram, TikTok, workplace. It doesn't matter. Open your mouth with the gospel. Why? Because you got the Holy Ghost. And if you're not that way, I want to just bless you and encourage you. Hey, you can be. And it's not connected to your personality or your denomination. It's not. So when you get filled with the Spirit, it doesn't matter. Because all, like, baptism is about your consciousness. It's about what you're aware of. Like, when you get dunked in water, I love Jaylu. I mentioned this last night. Where did he go? He's gone. He's gone. Did y'all see Jaylu baptize people? It was so violent. He would be like, he's so sweet, he's so gentle, and then he's like, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ooh, and he just dunk him, and water would go everywhere. <clears throat> Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Can I bless your imagination this morning in just a few minutes? Jesus himself is the baptist. No man baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus earned that right as our great high priest. Acts 2.32. It says he received the Father. He received from the Father. Jesus did. Received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit so that he could pour it out upon men. John 14 says that he, Jesus said this. He goes, I will ask the Father for you for another helper, for the Holy Spirit. You're not even the prayer. You don't even pray. You don't even do it. You just what? Receive it. Oh, y'all didn't get this. See, we've made this so much about man and what kind of hoops have you jumped through and are you what? Stop it. The blood's made you clean. Clean the vessel. You now have a virgin spiritual womb capable of receiving and being impregnated by God himself.
And it's God who does it. It's God who does it. And if the weirdest thing that happens is that I speak in tongues, I think that's pretty good. I'm surprised more weird things don't happen when God comes and fills a temple. I'm serious. If the weirdest thing that happens is you're on the ground shaking for a little bit and tongues comes out, I'm like, wow, how do we not blow up? How does fire not come out of our ears? How are we not levitating? I'm serious. Some of us are too spiritual. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense. It's perfectly logical that the gushings of my heart would come out because of a love so divine that we've always known that we were made for somehow fills us and we're no longer, we don't longer care. I don't care what you think of me. Some of you are looking at me. I don't care. I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter what you think of me. It matters what you think of God and his promises. Some of you are still this whole time. You can stumble possibly over the vessel. I'm just a vessel. This is who we're dealing with this morning. I'm so serious. Some of you are so used to like the guy with the microphone. It's not, we're, it's, is it this? Am I preaching the word to you? There's a promise for you. He loves you. And it's so wonderful to be free of the fear of man. It's wonderful. It's wonderful not to care about what men think of you. Wonderful. It's awesome. It's intoxicating. Because you don't realize when you have the fear of man, you, you live around. Every person you're around becomes a little thief of joy. Every person becomes a little fox that spoils the vineyard of your God consciousness. You're like, oh, what are, what are they going to think of me? It doesn't matter. My God loves me. He, he loves me. You can't take that from me ever. Do you know why? Because I've, I've been born again into covenant and I can see his face by faith. There's spirit in me cries out, Abba, Father. He broke off an orphan spirit from me. All right. Amen. I need your help. If you keep reading, um, Paul finds those disciples that Apollos made. And Paul asks disciples of Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I don't think he was saying, are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? Or are you going to heaven? That's not what he's saying because they were disciples. I believe Paul saw in these believers, he saw a sin consciousness that told him, I don't know that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because he asks them then, they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so then he asked them, well, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. He says, oh, that was for the forgiveness of sins. And he explained to them and he lays hands on them and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit unto a consciousness of God. And so I'm gonna invite you.